All right. Well, if there's or to whoever is joining us online, I just want to say hi. And if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Amanda. I am one of the pastors here at Public Church. And if you're unfamiliar with the format, when we gather in person, we meet together, we eat um, as an act of communion. Then we study the Bible together using the Discovery Bible Study Method. And then I get up, or whomever is preaching that week, um, and share what stood out to um, me or whomever. And yeah, just share what God is saying through his word. Um, it's always super encouraging to hear how God speaks. Um, growing up in a traditional church, um, typically there was like one pastor or two pastors that would preach all the time, and um, it was great to learn from said pastor. Um, but I love sitting around a table and hearing what God is saying because the same spirit that is leading um, me up here preaching is the same spirit, the Holy Spirit, um, that speaks to us as we sit around a table and share the word together. Um, so I just love Sunday evenings when we get to sit around the table and see what God is saying to us. Um, but as the one who's preaching, I don't cheat per se, but I do read the scripture um, earlier and spend some time digging into it a little bit and seeing what God might want to share with the church. Um, so we have been reading 1 Kings chapter 11, and then we read 2 Chronicles 29 and a couple verses, and then Ecclesiastes chapter 1, because um, we're following the Bible chronologically, just as, it, as the events happened. And as I was reading those verses to prepare, um, the ones that stood out to me were 1 Kings um, chapter 11, verses 1 to 6. Um, so that's what I'll be sharing about tonight. So I'm going to say a couple of words, and then I'm going to ask for some participation. Um, and if you're online, um, if you want to also participate, that would be great. So the words I am going to share are leadership, power, social media, art, society, business, groups, culture, and music. So when I say all of those words, if you were going to summarize it as a category, what would you think of? So I'm going to read them again now that I've told you what I'm asking you to do. So leadership, power, social media, art, society, business, groups, culture, and music. So if you were thinking of all of those words and you were going to reduce it down to a category, what do you think of? And if you don't think of a category, that's fine. But if you do, what is it? <laughs> Haven said influence. You thought the same thing? BJ, oh, so, so Evan said influence as well. BJ says society. Now I'm staring at Bond. <laughs> and he's saying, I don't know. That's fine. But what I did was I went to Google 
and I typed in the word influence. So I did it the other way around. I went with a category in mind or a word, and that is what came up. So when you Google the word influence, what comes up is leadership, power, social media, art, society, business, groups, culture, and music. But we have a great community that is connected to public church, and Google is great, but I wanted to see what people who are already connected to public church thought of when they thought of the word influence. So these are some of the things that you guys shared with me. So something that has the power to change the way I think or the choices I make, negative or positive, everything we do has the power to influence the people around us. The other per one other person said shaping, so that's what came to mind when they thought of influence was shaping. Another person said having an effect on another person to change their mind or behavior. Another person said it's a force from within coming from outside, so it's inside and outside, a force that you allow or give attention to that tends to affect you gradually and he said, especially when it comes to lifestyle. So if lots of things can influence us, the question that I was considering and that I'm going to try to unpack and think of today is what is our responsibility as Christians, right? So we are constantly being influenced. We are constantly influencing. So what is our responsibilities responsibility as Christians when it comes to influence. So as I mentioned, um, the verses that stood out to me were 1 Kings 11, 1 to 6, and uh, we're going to start off by reading verses 1 to 3. So King Solomon loved many foreign women in addition to Pharaoh's daughters, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women from the nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them, and they must not intermarry with you, because they will turn your heart away to follow their gods. To these women, Solomon was deeply attached in love. He had 700 wives who were princesses, and 300 who were concubines, and they turned his heart away. So the last time we gathered which was online because we couldn't be in person because I got COVID, um, I preached on Solomon and the idea that for God, success in the kingdom of God means living righteously, right living. And I actually misspoke and said that that would be the only time I preached on Solomon. Um, just kind of comparing to how often like David was mentioned in the scriptures and how quickly Solomon's story has an effect. Well, it has a major effect on Israel, but the fact that even though he reigned 40 years, which was, I think, the same length as David's reign, there's not as much in Scripture about Solomon because we see this quick shift in the verses that we're reading that God, well, that Solomon wasn't living righteously. He was for a little while when he was 
newly appointed as king. Um, but yeah, he quickly turned away, as we're reading here. Um, a lot had to do with his wives and their influence over him. But um, yeah, there wasn't that much for God to share about Solomon in the word as an example for us as people following Yahweh, the, the one true God. But what we're seeing in this shift is that Solomon, for whatever reason, has a thing for foreign women. He would have had the ability to marry anybody in the kingdom of Israel. He had that kind of power that he could go to anybody and say, I want you as my wife. Or what he really should do is go to God and say, you know, who should I marry? But he didn't do that. And we see that even earlier in 1 Kings, that he chose his first wife out of Egypt. He went back to a land that God had saved the Israelites from and chose his wife from there. So, like, already that's not a great start. But then we see that um, he has broken this command not to intermarry. So it's reiterated in First Kings, but, you know, we go all the way back to Deuteronomy. The Israelites have known for a long time that they were not supposed to intermarry. Yet we see one of the kings of Israel who are, is supposed to lead the community of faith into the, doing the right thing, which is obeying God's commands, but we see him disobeying. And um, there's also a, a book in the Bible called Song of Songs or Song of Solomon. And if you followed along in our reading plan, we read those, that book last week. And what we see from that is that Solomon loves love. <laughs> um, if you've ever read the book, it is pretty much all about sex and Solomon being in love with his woman, um, the fact that other women wanted Solomon and they were trying to figure out like how they could um, end up with him. So like this is the only book of the Bible that goes into somebody's sex life. Um, and but why? I think why would <laughs> what are you saying over there, even? <laughs> um, yeah, so why why uh, <laughs> why why would this book be in the Bible? And I think when I was like processing and thinking about it, makes sense because of, um, yeah, just how much Solomon loved love, right? And we see that in these verses, he had a thousand wives. So having multiple wives in that culture was not unusual, but having a thousand wives was pretty extreme. And not only did he have a thousand wives, but they were wives that were foreign. Um, and so he had a lot of influence coming on him from outside of Israel and the influence that, I mean, ultimately should have come from God on this community. And what we see in, those, in the verses is that Solomon was deeply attached to them in love. And when you look at the Hebrew behind the word attach, it means clung. Like he was clinging to these women. And again, like when you go back to uh, the Song of Songs or Song of Solomon, like you see this kind of desperation that he has for his woman. Like he is just obsessed with her. And this kind of desperation and this clinging to women that he had was highlighted, you know, in a way it, 
again, like David had multiple wives. We even, you know, talked about the fact that he had the affair with Bathsheba. And so he didn't always make good decisions when it came to women. But we're seeing this extra emphasis on Solomon that his romantic relationships aren't healthy. Um, He is just obsessed and clinging to these women. And what happened because of that, the scripture says it twice in what we just read, and and it will say it again when I go on to the next verses, is that they turned his heart away. So the consequence of having a thousand wives, (laughs) and not just a thousand wives, but a thousand foreign wives, wives that he clung to, that he was obsessed with, was that their influence was so great on him that it actually turned his heart away from God. And if you look at some other words that explain this idea of turning him away, um, they changed his incline, his bend, they enticed him, and they caused him to be deceived. And I think when we think about all of these things, we can summarize that as influence. They had such a great influence over Solomon. So we're going to look at verses 4 to 6 now and see what happened. When Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away to follow other gods. He was not wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord his God as his father David had been. Solomon followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Milcom, the abhorrent idol of the Amorites. Ammonites, sorry. Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight, and unlike his father David, he did not remain loyal to the Lord. So it's interesting, these verses start by saying, when Solomon was old. So I think what we're seeing is that even though he had a thousand wives and they were um, a part of his life for a long time, it was really when he was old that their influence really took over and turned his heart away from God. So it was kind of, it was a gradual shift, right? Like, I don't think he went into these relationships thinking, I'm picking foreign wives on purpose. I don't want to follow God anymore. I want to follow the gods of my wives. That wasn't his intention going into it, but it was a gradual change that happened over time. And we see this because even in First Kings, which is earlier in the book that we were are reading tonight, in chapter 861, these are Solomon's words, and he understands to be wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord our God, to walk in his statutes, and to keep his commands as it is today. So Solomon couldn't plead ignorance. He knew what... He agreed to when um, he became king of Israel and when he had these encounters with God. Later on in 1 Kings 11, it talks about how he had these two really impactful um, uh, times in God's presence. So he knew God. He knew what it meant to follow him wholeheartedly. But over the years, he allowed the influence of other things come into his heart and turn him away from God. And really, it's funny because as a king, he should have been a man of great influence. He was the one who, like, he could say anything, and everybody in the kingdom would have had to obey him. He had the power to do and say and 
be a great person for the kingdom of, of Israel. But instead, at the time, he let his wives influence him. And he knew that the most important influence in his life should have been God and God's kingdom, but that wasn't the case that we see in his life. And what was the consequence of that was that he was no longer wholeheartedly devoted to God. So when it says um, his heart turned from God, when you uh, study the Hebrew word for that a little bit, it actually means his conscience. So what he was saying earlier in verse or in, sorry, in chapter 8, he was saying, I, my consciousness, my mind, my, my volition, the way I live my life, like I am giving this 100% to God. But what we're seeing is that when his heart was turned away, he was no longer wholeheartedly devoted. His conscience w- was beginning to be influenced by his wives and their gods. And when you look at kind of the opposite of wholehearted, you, you think of words like incomplete, divided, and broken. So at one point in Solomon's reign, he was wholeheartedly devoted, but now he has become a man who is incomplete, divided, and broken when it comes to his relationship with the Lord. He did not remain loyal to God to the end, and he stopped following God's law. So 1 Corinthians 15, 33 to 34 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Come to your senses and stop sinning, for people are ignorant about God. I say this to your shame. So I think in some ways, when we read a verse like this, I think the, the church can take it too far. Um, it made me think of fundamentalist Christians Um, which thought that anything outside of God and the church were inherently evil. And so they would basically remove any kind of outside influence um, that they could. So they, like, lived together in communities. They would build schools that were only for their children. Um, They would basically create this little community that they operated within, and they wouldn't go outside of it. And in some ways, like, that sounds appealing, to be in a community of people that you know agree with you, that are going to, you know, comfort you and encourage you in your walk with the Lord. But it's okay to have relationships with people who don't share all of our values. And I think for a long time, again, like, the church lost the ability to share the gospel because they withdrew and because they didn't want any negative outside influence on them. But the funny thing is, is that even friends or people that we know who claim Christianity, they may not even themselves share all of our values. They may not be wholeheartedly following Jesus, and they are still working out their salvation. So it's kind of like, instead of making this black and white and saying, okay, well, we should only allow Christians to influence us. Often, and I've had many people say this to me, well, many of my non-Christian friends are kinder to me 
they show more fruit of the spirit than some Christians that I know. And so I think trying to make this like a black and white thing is really detrimental to how we will learn and grow as we follow Jesus. But they may influence us towards or away the righteousness that we were talking about last week, the right living. And again, sometimes I have had friends that don't follow Jesus that have encouraged me towards right living. And then I've had friends who are, claim Christianity, say they're Christians, but they're actually not influencing me towards righteousness. And so the greatest influence that we need is not necessarily other people, although having other people in our lives is important. But, yeah, this is kind of like the Sunday school answer, but the greatest influence that we need to have in our life is the influence of the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting that we're bringing this up. People who know me know I'm not super organized, but it's cool that this is Pentecost Sunday, And this is um, a very important day in the church calendar, which is when a group of Christians were together, they were worshiping, they were waiting, because when before Jesus ascended and went back to heaven, he said, I need you to wait, because a gift is coming. And they didn't know what this gift was, but they waited, they obeyed. And while they were up in this upper room, so just basically kind of like the attic of a of a house, the Holy Spirit came on them. And, you know, it says that they spoke in tongues and prophesied, and they were empowered in a way that they never were before because the Holy Spirit was in their life. And now, 2,000 years later, we're here celebrating Pentecost Sunday, and it's like basically like I could summarize the whole sermon up in saying, wait for the Holy Spirit to come and empower you. Let him be the one that influences us the most. And that's in our friendships, but, I mean, we're talking about Solomon and all of his wives, so we also have to be really careful in our romantic relationships. And some people will say, you should never date anybody who isn't a Christian. Some will say, it's okay, because maybe you'll lead them into a relationship with the Lord. And I've heard stories that have gone positively with non-Christians dating Christians and they do end up leading them to the Lord and I've heard of Christians that are both Christians when they get married and then one of the spouses decide that they don't want to be a Christian anymore and that just rocks their foundation of their marriage and life together so in relationships nothing is really guaranteed to go exactly how we're hoping it to go and again it's one of these things where I would love to say A plus B equals C. <laughs> you know, If you're a Christian and you marry a Christian, then everything will be great. Or if you're a Christian and you don't marry a Christian, then everything will be horrible. And, but that's not the way experience has shown itself to be. But So the one thing I want to say about romantic relationships is that we do really need to be careful who we deeply attach ourselves to. And I think that was one of the character flaws of Solomon was that he just allowed himself in romantic love to be like almost like the pinnacle of his existence, like the thing that was the most important. And because of that, he got so intertwined with 
all these women that it took his eyes off the Lord. He stopped following God's law and he allowed, I mean, he ended up even building shrines and worship places to these gods that, yeah, he shouldn't have been worshiping to begin with. And the irony is, like, his kingship began by building this beautiful temple to the Lord and his kingship ended by building these temples to these foreign gods that um, he had really no business engaging with because he made a promise to God of who he was and how he was going to live his life. So the question I have, and I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to think about it, is who are the people who have the greatest influence in your life? So I I did ask this as a follow-up question when I was doing my sermon prep, and I got some answers, but I want to give you time right now to think about it too. Who are the people who have the greatest influence in your life? And I'm not going to make you share it, but I just want you to think about it for a second. And maybe it's not people, maybe it's things, too. Again, when we read the list earlier, social media, um, can be a great influence. I guess ultimately that's people, but. And I was encouraged by some of your answers Somebody said their mom, and I know who their mom is, so I know that that is a good influence. And then other people said, you know, godly men and women that they have in their life, which is awesome. Um, When I think of who has great influence in my life, I think of my friend Kelly. Um, We have been in a discipling relationship together for probably 15 years or so, and, you know, She's been Jesus in the flesh for me many times, great positive influence in my life. But I think when we consider who we allow to influence us, we have to think who or what is influencing them. So for Solomon, at one point, God was the major influence in his life. But then we see as time goes on, it switches to his wives. And of course, then those wives worshipped other gods. So inadvertently, he was being influenced by their gods. I think at first, unconsciously, like he was probably still thinking about Yahweh, you know, the God of Israel for a long time. But I think over time, his mind shifted to thinking about these other gods. So I just want to encourage tonight this idea of a chain of influence. I was trying to think of the right way to say this, and that's the best I came up with. So I would say life works best when the chain of our influence is the Holy Spirit and then everybody else. And when we consider who everybody else is, then we also need to be careful of who that is and, and again, remember or try to consider Okay, who is influencing them? 
lots of things can influence us. I talked about leadership, power, social media, art, society, business, groups, culture, music. And it's funny, I didn't see family when I Googled, but when I asked everybody who influenced them, it was typically a family member, so family influences us. But it's Holy Spirit first. And at the beginning, I said, well, what is our responsibility when it comes to influence? Our responsibility is to slow down and judge who or what we allow in the everyone else category. So are there things and people influencing me towards good or evil? And I think even in our culture, we have to remember we're not just thinking of the, you know, the world's definition of good and evil. We have to think of the biblical definition of good and evil. And we talked about that quite a lot already as we've been discovering who God is for the Israelite people and who he is for us. And we aren't necessarily cutting out people who feel far from Jesus, but we have to make sure that kingdom influence is the best influence in our life or the majority influence in our life so that over time, unconsciously or consciously, that we're not allowing other influences to come and be more important to us than God's influence in our life. Amen? All right, let's pray. Pentecost Sunday. Lord, we remember that you sent your spirit to enable your church to go out into the world, to make disciples, to baptize one another, to teach your commands and how to live the Christian life. And, you know, 2,000 years later, we're saying yes to the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. God, we confess the times that we have let other voices, other people influence us more than the truth that we find in your word. Jesus, I'm reminded that you said you are the way, the truth, and the life. And as we agree that you are the way, you reveal your truth and you show us how to live righteously, how to live a godly life. And so I pray that we will make a conscious effort regularly to examine, to slow down, and to see who or what are we allowing to influence us. And are those things influencing us towards good things, goodness, or are they encouraging us towards evil and sin? And God, I don't even think often the intention of the influencer is to do that, but Maybe it's because they are not being influenced by you. And so they don't know the truth, and they don't know the life that you have for us. 
So Lord, I pray that we will be a people completely influenced by the Holy Spirit. God, continue to work out our salvation with us as we do it with fear and trembling. That's what your word tells us. Not that we are afraid of you because you're a good God, but it just reiterates the importance of what it means to live a godly life. To say no to sin in our lives and to say yes to you and the good things you have for us. Even in the moment when We don't care if it's good for us or not. That's when we need it the most. So Holy Spirit, come and fill us. We need you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're going to finish off with a couple of songs this evening. So I invite Haven and Evan to come up. And um, we don't always uh, emphasize a time of offering, but if you do consider public church your home, um, if you're here in the space, we have an offering box. And if you're online, um, you can go to our website, publicchurchboston.com, and find the giving link there. Um, we are currently trying to raise about, well, we've been trying to raise 60000 and we're celebrating because we have raised... 7,000 of that. So we're still looking to raise about 53,000 to cover our expenses the next couple months. Um, but also, please keep praying for public coffee. We're so close to opening, but there's just still some dynamics there that have to be worked out and construction to finish. But um, yeah, we're just super excited about the ministry that God's called us to in the city of Boston. And um, if you want to partner with us to help us stay here and do this, that would be fantastic. So, yeah, even Haven and Evan, come on up.
redeemed the whole creation you did not despise the cross for even in your suffering you saw to the other side knowing this was our salvation Jesus for our sake you
Just before we go, we are going to do our benedictions here in a second. Um, but just again, thinking about this being Pentecost Sunday and God sending his Holy Spirit to us, um, it just indicates that God is a, a missional God. He's a God that's on the move. And we believe in three, one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we see the mission of God in the beginning to create, and then the mission of God to send his son Jesus for us, to die on the cross for us, to reconcile us back to God, and then the mission of God the Father and God the Son sending the Holy Spirit so that we can go and be on mission. So I just want you to think about that as we um, close with our benediction today. Actually, Travis, I'll just use my iPad. Thank you. 
So this is 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 21. From now on then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective, even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet we no longer know him this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we may be the righteousness of God. So as we go out this week, just go remembering that we are ambassadors for Christ that as we let God influence us, then we can have influence on those who feel far from Jesus. And who knows, maybe they'll want the relationship that we have and we can help them understand what it means to also have for themselves a relationship with God. So yeah, just go with God in that today. God bless. God bless. God bless. Have a great day.